Following is the first of three special episodes recorded with two former prison inmates who discuss their crimes, prison experiences, and quest for redemption. Listen to their deep introspections and pleas for society to never give up on any human being, including those who have once done the darkest of deeds. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only Jerry Springer. Actually, that's uh, not true. Uh, I'm Gene Galvin, one of the three normal voices that you hear. I'm not sure how normal I am, but one of the three hosts. Uh, but this is July. And by the way, we're recording this on what, July 19th. So this is not uh, a blast from the past. This is a, a current episode. But Jerry is on a well-deserved hiatus along with Megan Hills. And David Pruce is here. He's our technical producer from Amy Studio. And he and I are uh, doing a, a special episode tonight with uh, two guys that have become friends of mine. I consider these guys good friends. They're new friends, and their circumstances will uh, dictate that, be clear as we get into this conversation. And they are uh, Tommy Payne from uh, Lansing, Michigan, and Daryl Davis from Louisville, Kentucky. So hello to you guys. How you doing? Uh, hey, doing good. Uh, by the way, let me let me mention to our listeners, you may have listened last week to an episode where I, I also introduced uh, Daryl and Tom. And that is a show. And if you haven't heard it, I urge you to go back and hear this show because it's a unique program that uh, Tom and Daryl and I, along with David Proust, put together with a target audience of prison inmates. And those inmates eventually could be all across the country. And we did a pilot program, and that's on our last week's podcast. You can access that through your podcast platform or go to jerryspringer.com and go to the archives. And uh, it's a program that we're working on where Daryl and Tom talk to current inmates and help them to figure out, A, how to best use their time to seek release if the law allows for that. And probably in most cases it does. In some cases, you know, there's probably some men and women aren't getting out, but uh, to help them earn release. And there are things that, that they can tell those inmates they can do, which give them their best chance. And then secondly, to help them when they get out to have successful lives for the rest of their lives, not end up back in prison, better yet to find some redemption, happiness, and uh, productive lives. So that was last week's podcast. And I asked Daryl and Tom, I said, would you guys come back on again with me? And let's just have a conversation that gets us into all sorts of stuff. Of course, the work you're doing today, and we're going to actually start off with that. And I want to give these guys a chance to uh, promote it, to maybe get help with donations to keep it going. I don't know. I mean, that's up to them. Uh, they, they're both 
They both have created programs that help inmates or help people not to become inmates. I know Tom works with at-risk youth, and I'm going to ask him about that up in the Michigan area. So, but also we're going to get into a lot of other stuff that, that I was telling these guys before we went on the air. People who haven't been to prison have a lot of curiosities about things. And they know that because these guys give a lot of talk. So, you know, they, they get questions. They, they know about all that. So let's start off with this. Uh, hey, hey, Tom, to start us off and just tell our listeners, uh, what are you doing now with your life? Well, well, let's start with this. You were in prison for how many years? Uh, a little over 30 some years. Okay. Over 30 years in prison mm -hmm. and you uh, earned your release. You are now free and clear, as I recall, right? I mean, you're not monitored by anybody. You're well, I'm on parole. Yeah. You're on parole. Yeah. And, and by the way, how, how long does parole last is for a limited time or for the rest of your life? Explain that to us. First well, of all. Well, it, 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 in my situation, it will last until they see fit to release me from parole. Okay. So I've, been, I've been out approximately, uh, at the end of this year, it'll be going on five years. All right. Know, so so I, hope, I hope then that I'll be uh, free and clear and be released from parole. All right. And um, the work that you do now, Tell us a little bit about that work. I want you to kind of brag about it a little bit because it's some pretty cool stuff. Oh, what are you doing these days? I don't know about bragging about it, but yeah. I'm a, I call myself a, 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 I'm a certified life coach, but I call I've, I refrain from calling myself a life coach. I call myself a transformational coach. All right. And transformational, to start the viewers off, is just, it just has to do with change, changing a human being. From, from a negative state to a positive state. We all have things that we want to try to work on in our lives to get out of. And I and that's what I specialize in doing. Now, what I work on is uh, young men that are at risk, but I work on, I deal with all young men that 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 are, uh, that that need help. Uh, currently, I'm in a program called Off the Street that I deal with uh, violent related issues. In other words, the pre violent prevention. And so we have a small group of young men. And what we do is we try to give them experiences, cultural experiences, social experiences that they never had. We try to, uh, I teach what I call the disciplines of excellence. It's a, it's a, it's a character building course, which infuses uh, principles to help young men uh, structure their lives and make the right kind of decisions when they come to the crossroads in their lives. So that's what I do now. I work with the uh, church, uh, Pastor Parker, Stan Parker, ECAC, uh, Eastside Community Center. He's been an activist in the community for quite a long time, uh, helping uh, the, the at-risk community, you know, uh, homeless, uh, uh, feeding the poor, doing all those sorts of things. Uh, and so he's been a really great mentor of mine and friend of mine. I, of course, I'm working with some other pastors and men involved in that at, at Forrest and uh, Pastor Kelly. So that's what I'm doing now. Now I have my own program called Dream Warriors. And Dream Warriors was developed to uh, help young men. What I've seen with at-risk young men is they've lost, they don't have any purpose. A lot of them don't have any vision. A lot of times the environmental influences and the things that have happened 
to young men and young women in, out there in the streets have stripped them of their ability to see something uh, uh, better for themselves, a higher purpose for themselves. And so what Dream Warriors is a program is what we do is we come together and we try to instill purpose, vision. We try the dream, the dream that you can have something in life, that you can be something in life, that you can contribute. Our motto is, I will do something great. I will be something great. And I try to subconsciously infuse that over and over and over again in the young men's mind because I have them, when we meet, I always have them stand up and say the motto, you know, I will do yeah. something great. I will be something great. And I might, all, I might as we're, whatever we're doing and activity wise, I might just stop and say that because it's very important to root out the mental uh, uh, demons that are attacking the young minds with something else, something positive, something constructive, something productive, something that 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 it, these kids got to know that they're valued. They got to know that they're loved, and they have to know that people care about them because quite often they come out of, of, of environments where they're not getting love and not getting nurture, and 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 what they're hearing is the negative limited influences of people telling them what they can't do, not what they can do. Interesting. And uh, by the way, just as a side note, uh, because I, I feel the interest in mentioning, you were the University of Kentucky's first African-American recruit back in what, 1970? Is that the right That's year? correct. I was the I was the first uh, uh, scholarship player, African American scholarship player who played in the SEC. I was the well, I was the second player in the SEC, but I was the first for the University of Kentucky. All right, and uh, people might not know this by looking at you. You and I have met on several occasions. And the first, the way I know, and it's mentioned this to our listeners real fast. The way I know you, Tom. And, and through you, I met Daryl, but I know you because my next door neighbor for years was your brother and your brother told me about you and that, and we had conversations that led to you asking if I would come down to the prison where you were, which is near Louisville in LaGrange, Kentucky. I'm in Ludlow, Kentucky, and to give a talk, which I did. And by the way, when I walked into that gym full of guys uh, and you were kind of the person who was, you know, there to help introduce me, you came over and stood next to me and put your arm around me because you're appreciative that I came and like, you're seven foot tall. I'm like five, eight or something. And I just remember looking up at you and going, and I'm a big basketball fan, by the way. So that, that was like, Wow. And uh, I will tell our listeners that Tom Payne in that prison, trust me, he was well, well known, highly respected, a very positive force. I have come to know as time has passed. Uh, so that, that's just an interesting side note about uh, Tom Payne. Uh, let me switch over quickly to Daryl. Daryl, because uh, you've got a heck of a story, too. Uh, first, please start off and tell our listeners what kind of work are you doing today? Thanks, Gene. Um, so and how long were you in prison? 
So I was incarcerated for 22 and a half years. Okay. Uh, I had a 35-year sentence, and I was able to earn a lot of meritorious vocational and educational good time that whittles away from the back end of a sentence and can move it to a different date. Fortunately, I was able to do that with a lot of classes over the years. Um, and so uh, I, I'll give you a little bit of backstory about how the organization came about. In my 22 and a half years there, I watched this, this uh, revolving door on every prison I was in. I seen some of the same guys coming four and five times and I didn't get it because I heard their conversation before they left and they're like, Man, I'll never be back. I'm, I'm going to be out there, take care of my kids, take care of my family, get my life together, and then they're back. I'm like, man, what in the world? What what needs to change here? And, and then I got more plugged in, and, and I saw the destruction. I saw families go by the wayside. I saw marriages crumble. I seen kids stop writing, stop visiting. And I, and I saw the horrorness, and, and it built a momentum of conviction in my heart to the point when I came out of prison, I had one goal, and that goal was to try to go back and change some of this. And so um, I started an organization, it's called the Prisoner's Hope. And so we're probably one of the most multifaceted holistic organizations out there as a nonprofit. We work with those on their way to prison. And I'll give you a quick snapshot of that. Not just those who we consider mentees that we're taking on, but also families. We work with the families because the families are taken hostage into that world of incarceration. Uh, we help them to navigate uh, when they're immobilized. We also have professional counseling services for the children because we believe that the uh, when you have a, a parent incarcerated, it's a trauma sticking point. And so we need to process through those traumas in order for children to move toward a more healthy life. Um, and then next we do incarceration mentoring. We work with those who are incarcerated currently. Um, our, our claim to fame, if you will, Gene, is that we start our work at least two years prior to release. Because a lot of men in, in prison and women um, we'll sit there on their derriere for 15 to 20 years and do nothing. And so we require our people to do a GED, life skills class, moral recognition therapy, a two-year vocation. Uh, we're faith-based, so we require them to be participants in the body of Christ and to be transparent to the mentor we assign to them. So organically, some great things are happening along the way. They're, they're learning to show up and listen and, and communicate and trust and uh, build relationship and understand support. And then lastly, we do post-incarceration integration. When our people come out of the prison, we've already vetted them and mentored them for a duration of time. And so we pay their first month's transitional housing. We get them clothes. We get an ID. We get their insurance started. We build them a, a resume. We get them jobs. We get them uh, a place to, uh, to visit as a church. We get them in our counseling services. We get them budgeting classes and our mentor continues to walk alongside of them. Wow. Uh, that's a really good both of you guys are doing, I think, amazing stuff. Uh, let me ask you, um, when in the volunteer work that I've done, uh, again, through Tom Payne's invitation, because my speaking down there led to some guys saying, hey, would you teach a class? And ended up, I eventually taught two. And one was a critical thinking class. The other was a poetry writing class. And uh, I had conversations with the guys that I got to know, and I only got to know the guys you know, around the table that would come to my classes regularly, and, but I got to know them pretty well, and they got to know me pretty well, and we named, uh, and it came from you, Daryl, the, the program that the three of us are doing for prisoners, we hope, in prisons eventually across the country. It's called Kronos, colon, Time Beyond the Bars. Kronos is the Greek word for time, correct? 
And, and Daryl, you brought that up and I thought, damn, that's a good title. And it, 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 everybody agreed and it became the title. And it made me think that when I would work with these guys at uh, this prison in Kentucky, Kentucky State Reformatory, they would say it whenever I would get like worried about, you know, got to keep moving or we don't have enough time. I remember one time the guy said, Gene, one thing we got is time. That's all we got is time. You know, you're leaving in two hours from now, but we're staying right here. So we got plenty of time. Well, that led eventually to conversations in which they told me, and I wanted to ask you guys if this resonated with you, that when you're incarcerated, Tommy, you said you were in for over 30 years. Daryl was in for over 20 years. So that's not a minute. That's a long chunk of your life. You can use that time lots of ways, right? Did you figure out early on how to use the time? Did you, after being in prison, figure out better how to use the time, to use it positively versus negatively? Or did you ever use it negatively? Uh, Tommy, start us off. How did you deal with just time? I was always hopeful about getting out. I was always hopeful about getting out. I I had lulls, what I call lulls of uh, uh, maybe depression when I was in prison. But I always, from that from that time that I, my, my second stint, when I came in, I always focused on uh, reclamation, what I call it, changing myself. You know, I, I always focused on uh, it, it, soul searching is what you might call it. You know, I, I always focused on, and that was every day because, you know, I know Daryl's the same in this. Uh, we understood, and this is really hard, when you, when you understand victimization, when you understand that you've hurt somebody, it changes you because you understand the damage that you've done to some other human being, that 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 that, that they're it's irrevocable. You you, you can't undo the damage that you've done to some other human being. And and what people don't know, there's men and women in prison that have done damage, but they're not happy-go-lucky about what they've done. They've looked at themselves, they've examined themselves, and they understand it, but their only chance of, 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 of 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 them overcoming and having a life for themselves is to change within within themselves, and the change within themselves means that they're trying to live a life now of what what people call redemption, and people use that word very loosely and stuff like that. But redemption means, for me, is to purchase back something. So, in my faith. Uh, God purchased back uh, people that are being redeemed. And so that means that uh, uh, that doesn't mean you absolve from the crime that you committed. It doesn't mean that you don't have to uh, do the time. What it means is that you have the possibilities like me and Daryl of a new life. If you see a new life. And so you can. Now take your story, your testimony, your experience, 
And then you can extrapolate that and infuse that into other human beings life. And, and if you see somebody getting ready to go the way you going, or you get they're getting ready to cause harm to some other people, you can be an intermediary, you can intervene in that. You can step in front of that, you can try to detour that person from making that tragic mistake, from not only hurting them, but from hurting the, the person that they're getting ready to hurt, which they hurt when you, you can you can tell them like if you hurt this individual, you're not just hurting one individual, you're hurting his family. You're hurting a community because we're impacted by crime. The community, when we see something uh, tragic on TV, whether we know the people or not, we who have empathy and compassion, we're, we're, we, 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 we feel that. We may not feel it as much as the people that's directly on the scene, but we feel it as empathetic human beings. And so, yeah. and so, and so, uh, what I did is probably the same thing Daryl did. I began to work, work, and work, and work. And, it, and it's hard to describe because it's not easy. It seems like an endless, never-ending uh, nightmare, for real. You know, that, 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 that sometimes you go to bed, and I don't care how much you faith, you say, oh, God, is this ever going to end? Yeah. You know, I've, I, you know, you say, you, you, you see me, you know, I'm seven foot and everything else, but you know, I don't mind being transparent. I've went to bed in tears before. Yeah. I've literally went to bed in tears, you know, and uh, a lot of people don't know that about people in prison. That's they have a minority of people. I don't say all the people in prison did, are going to do what me and Daryl did and doing what other people are doing. Some, But there's a minority of people in prison that. uh they they work to redeem themselves. They work to become valuable human beings. They work to give back to society. It's very, very important to them. They work to become good fathers. They work to become good friends. They work to try to try to prevent uh, 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 any kind of uh, 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 psychological and physical damage if it's in their environment to any other human being that they see. It's because that's what's been molded into them because they understand where they've been and they don't want to see anybody else go through that. And so that's basically what I did for 30 years. So I, I'm not going to go through all the courses that I took and I'm not going to go through it. But what I did is I took many courses. Uh, as I told you, the first thing I took, a, I took therapy when I could take it. Uh, uh, I prayed and listened to God a lot, read my Bible a lot. I know it's not popular, but that's what I did. Yeah. I wasn't a prison Christian. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. I, 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 uh, I was a broken human being. And, uh, and, and that means that uh, I have had thoughts of uh, suicidal thoughts and everything else, you know, because I didn't want to live with, 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 with who I, what, what, was, what was being projected in front of me. And so what people need to understand about the, that type of situation is that, that the hope comes in when a human being changes and they believe they can give back to other human beings. So what I try to tell people is don't take that away from the people that are making those steps to do that, you know? And so, you know, so. It makes sense. Uh, Daryl, uh, did you have similar or different experiences of, of how you used your time? I know when 
the program we did last week. And again, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to two guys that together to combine their sentences, spent over 50 years in prison. And last week we did, we did a program that, that deals with uh, that, that is designed to help prisoners in prison to make some good decisions to get out and have good lives. And uh, this week, the point of view is to our listeners. And Daryl, you mentioned last week in the episode that you walked in the door uh, to a degree, a transformed man, because you, you, both of you guys come from spiritual backgrounds, specifically Christian backgrounds. And you had said, Daryl, that that in between the time that you were convicted of your crime and in a few minutes, I want, cause I'm sure our listeners like, Jesus, these guys were in over 30 years in one case, 20 years in another case, you know, what did you do? But hold that for just a second. But between the time of your crime and your conviction and your actual incarceration, which was there how long. And in that time period, however long it was, you went through being saved. Correct. That is correct. Gene. That, and did that did that impact then how you spent your time for over 20 years? This completes part one of a three-part special edition of the Jerry Springer podcast. Join us next week as we continue our conversation with Thomas Paine and Daryl Davis. Thank you for listening.